All right, thank you guys for the wonderful singing this morning. It's so great to be able to worship and to freely give our God praise and adoration. Um, you know, uh, it's uh, a really uh, a uplifting experience, isn't it, when we come together and we worship the Lord and Maybe this morning you had thoughts about coming to church, and so you got ready and you came. But you didn't really have that many expectations on what might happen. And then all of a sudden, uh, the Holy Spirit of God began to lift you up and draw you closer to Him. And through the songs and through the uh, Word of God, He does that. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're blessed. I mean, that's all you can say is that I got up and I came and I got blessed. And so... It's what we seek God for. It's what we want to have happen in our worship times together is that very thing. Because you see, worship is inescapable for the believer. Uh, When we become a child of God, when we're born into His family, we get certain spiritual DNA. And that spiritual DNA directs our, our life as a believer And a big part of that DNA that we receive is to worship God. It's that great longing desire from deep within us to want to lift Him up and be drawn to Him and experience that time with Him that is just not able to be replaced with anything else. And so for you and I as believers, it's it's inescapable. We have to worship. I I mean, we, we have to. There's no way around it. We just have to worship. And I'm so excited about that because that's a, a, a part of our life that we do daily. We have our worship time alone with God and then we have our family time together as the body of Christ that we worship. But however or wherever it happens is something that we, we just have to do. That we can't not worship God. And so we Praise Him for that. Psalms 18 is one of those psalms that reflects some thoughts about worship. As a matter of fact, the whole book of Psalms is our worship book, isn't it? So I want to invite you to turn there to Psalms 18. The author of this particular psalm is David. David's kind of in a stressful place in his life. You know, David had some glorious times in his life, but he also had some pretty dangerous and pretty difficult times in his life. Sounds like me and you, doesn't it? <laughs> Sounds like us, that that life kind of gives us some ups and downs. And David was having one of those down times in his life. And uh, do you know where he went? He went to worship God. He went to the a place of worship. Now, listen, I, I want to encourage you not to wait until... You're there in that valley to worship God, but we ought to worship Him on the mountain and in the valley. Uh, All the time we ought to worship Him. Now, depending on where we are in that particular cycle, might determine the kind of worship we have with Him. Uh, But yet, every part of our life, every circumstance, time in our life really demands worship of God. Listen to what Psalms 18 says. And I want to just read for you this morning verses 1 through 6 and we'll stop there but listen to what he writes he says I will love you O Lord my strength the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer 
My God, my strength in whom I will trust. My shield and the horn of my salvation. My stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. Sounds like a song, doesn't it? The pangs of death surround me. And the floods of ungodliness made me afraid. The sorrows of Sheol surrounded me. The snares of death confronted me. And in my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried out to my God. He heard my voice from his temple. And my cry came before him, even to his ears. Pray with me, if you would, this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you today. For the joy that we've experienced already this morning in this time together of worship. Thank you how that our thoughts of you have caught us up closer to you. And our focus this morning in praising you is drawn us closer to you. So Lord, I'm praying now that through your word that you'll draw us closer to you as well. And that we'll continue in that spirit of worship. Understanding how, how glorious you are and how majestic is your name, O oh Lord. And we worship you today in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, first of all, if you'll look with me, listen, we're not going to exhaust the subject of worship today, I, I promise you. But we are going to see a few things that Psalms 18 says about worship that are important. One of the things that, that I find in this passage of Scripture that I want to encourage you with is that worship is ex- expressed in affection. In other words, we love God. And because we love Him, we worship Him. Listen to what David says. He says, I will love you, O Lord. You, you see, His affection that, uh, was, uh, it, it had intentions to it. David says, I will love you. And the idea is that David is I'm loving you now and I'm going to continue to love you. And so his intention was that he was affectionate in his intentions. That he was loving in his thoughts toward God. And so we need to consider that in our worship as well. I will love you, O Lord. The love that he speaks of here, and and the Bible confirms, is, is more than feelings, although feelings are part of it. But it's much more than just how we feel. Uh, it's, it's a deeper sense than that. It's a deeper kind of love that we feel toward God that evokes worship from our, from our lives. Uh, Jesus said in John chapter 4 that God is seeking those to worship Him. And He's seeking those who will worship Him in spirit and in truth. That's a, a, a deep kind of love relationship with God that really evokes worship from our lives, and it's important that we realize that. Now, you know, how does that love, how does that manifest itself, that kind of love that calls us to worship Him? Let me give you some suggestions about that. Uh, that kind of love that David speaks about, I will love you, O Lord, is, is really manifested in, in several ways. One of those ways it's manifested is in loving obedience. Is that we, we love God, and so in that love we obey God. Jesus said that very thing in John to his disciples before he was leaving. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And so one of those things about our love toward God is that 
it's expressed in our obedience to God, right? If we love Him, what do we want to do to the people that we love? We want to please them. Does that make sense? Is that we, we want them to be pleased. Uh, we want them to feel loved. And so, uh, one of the ways that we express our love or it manifests itself is in obedience. Jesus says in John 14, 21... He says, he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him, and I will manifest myself to him. So Jesus says in this loving obedience to him, that along with that, that he'll make himself known to us through our obedience. That may kind of exciting, isn't it? How, how many times have you said, Lord, I want to know you. I, 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 want, I want to know you in a deeper sense. I, I want to be drawn closer to you. Well, Jesus says that that happens in our desire and then our effort to be obedient to him. To please him. Listen, to please the Lord, we have to know what pleases him, right? So in that, we have to seek him. And if we're seeking him, Scripture says we'll find him. We do that, why? Because we, we love him. And so it manifests itself in loving obedience. Another way that that love for Christ and that affection toward him that's expressed in worship manifests itself in loving others. Not only loving obedience, but loving others. Uh, Jesus says again in John 13, By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have what love one for another. And so there's this sense of, of loving each other becomes an expression of, of our love for Christ, which is worship. And so we do that by loving others. When Jesus was asked about the greatest commandment. Do you remember what he, he said? He says, the greatest commandment, he says, is this, to love God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. And then he says, and the second one is like that, it's to love your neighbor. Right? Love your neighbor. So Jesus reminds us that in obedience to him, that there's... Also a sense, uh, in loving obedience, there's a sense of loving others. Now, you know, you scratch your head and you say, Brother Mike, I, I, sometimes I find that hard. I have to be honest, but sometimes I do as well. You know, but we, we've got folks and we have our personality and they have theirs and sometimes the, the, the two are, are not real compatible, but yet we're commanded to love each other. As a matter of fact, the world will know that we're a Christian by how we love each other. It identifies us as, as belonging to, to the Lord, loving each other. And so Jesus reminds us of that very thing. And, and so he, he helps us in that effort. And so uh, we're commanded to, to love each other. And so uh, we, we should do that. Uh, you know, he goes on and he expands that love in his instruction toward others, when he says, not only should you love each other, he's talking about the body of Christ, isn't he? Now, if that were enough, we'd say, hey, I can do that. I, I can love my brothers and sisters in Christ because they have the same desires, the same pursuits. Uh, hopefully, they have the, the, the same focus as I do. So, uh, in that sense, we can come together in our commonality of our relationship with Jesus Christ, and we can love each other. 
But you know, he didn't stop with people with just loving our, our brothers and sisters in Christ, did he? No, he did. And he said something about loving our enemies, loving those who persecute us, loving those who spitefully use us. <laughs> now, there's the rub, isn't it? When we think about loving those who see the world in a completely different way. Who are not in the least bit concerned about the Lord Jesus Christ. Whose actions and words and thoughts are often deeply offensive to us as believers. But Jesus doesn't qualify that, does he? He says, love your enemies. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. And so, now that's hard to find worship in, in that kind of instruction, isn't it? Lord, how can I, how can I be called to do this and in that very thing, worship? Listen, when we love those who are difficult for us to love, then Christ is honored, isn't he? And isn't worship really honoring the Lord Jesus Christ? And so he commands us to, to be loving toward others. Well, there's another area also, not only loving obedience and loving others, but there's also loving our, ourselves. Uh, do, do you remember the end of that commandment, love your neighbor how, how do you say As yourself. So there's an expectation that we ought to love ourselves, right? We, uh, if, if we're going to love our, our neighbor, then Jesus qualifies how to do that. He says, the way that you love yourself. Now, listen, what Jesus is saying in the command when he says to love your neighbor as yourself, it, it's, not, it's not loving ourselves in a selfish or self-centered way. It's not what he's talking about, is it? I, I mean, you know, it's, I don't go, you know, we don't go around loving ourselves. Oh, my, I'm the greatest thing in the world. And I love you the same way. <laughs> you know, I'm awesome. So you must be awesome because I, I love you like that as well. No, that's not what he's talking about. You see, the kind of love that he's talking about for ourselves is rooted in humility and gratitude for who we are and our identity in Jesus Christ. That's what we love. Listen, the, the, this loving of who we are in Christ is unique to who we are in Christ. You, you see, it's, it's I love who I am, forgiven, restored, and redeemed in Jesus Christ. I love that about me. I love the fact that I'm a child of God. That I'm a part of the family of God. I love that. Very, very much. I love the fact that I'm joint heirs with Jesus Christ, that I've got a home in heaven, Peter says, kept by the power of God, that Jesus says he's preparing for me now. I love that about me. I, I love the very fact about, about that, that, that I love having been given the righteousness of Christ. But listen, everything I love about me is because of him. And I love it dearly because of Him. And Jesus says we ought to love our neighbor the same way. 
same way. I've got to be honest with you. There's a whole lot of things about me I don't love. And I, I, I desperately pray to God that he would change. But what I do love about me is, is from him. And it's because of him. And so that's the way he wants me to love my neighbor. So love others, but, but, but we need to love ourselves as well. Loving ourselves is loving who we are in Jesus, isn't it? It's loving that relationship that we have with Him. And, and when it's all said and done, isn't that worship? Because doesn't that celebrate what Jesus has accomplished for us on the cross? That we are all those things by virtue of His death, burial, and resurrection. And so now all of a sudden, when we live this life of recognizing what He's done for us in humility and gratitude then all of a sudden, that, that, that's worship. It's worshiping Him. Just living who you are in Jesus Christ, loving others, and, 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 and loving that obedience is, is all the ways that worship manifests itself. Now, does it through song? Sure it does. Does it by being in a worship service? Sure it does. But yet, rooted in all that, is, is our relationship with Jesus Christ. As we live it out, that becomes worship. Worship for Him. And so worship is expressed in, in our affection, in the affection, uh, in, um, in its intentions to love Him. He says, I will love you, Lord. I will love you, God. Another thing about this affection is that the, it's affectionate in its intimacy with God. You know, we, we love Him, and it becomes a very deeply personal love that we have for, for Jesus Christ. Here David says he, he makes his relationship with God clearly personal by in six verses, he uses the word my ten times in reference to God or something that God is to him. My God, my salvation, my Redeemer, my, my strength. My refuge. All those things he says are, are just a, an idea of, of deeply personal relationship that he has with God. That he loves him. When you and I begin to really count our blessings and the activity of God in our life, then we can say, hey, that's me. I've received all these things. I've been the beneficiary of all of his blessings. So I, I deeply love him. And so it becomes an affection that's very intimate with God, right? Close. We love him. Uh, we, uh, we adore him in our lives today. And so worship is really also expressed in our affection. Well, secondly, worship is, is experienced in adoration. I think one of the ways that we express our, our love and our worship to God is what, what we're doing here this morning. Together as brothers and sisters in Christ, coming together and, and lifting up Christ and in the process lifting each other up. Listen to what he says in verse 2. He says, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Well, there's a lot in verse 2. It's really 
what we experience in Christ. And it's what David was experiencing from the Lord. And he was turning around and giving God adoration and appreciation for what he was doing in his life. And that, that's, that's a, a, a huge part of worship. He says, first of all, he says, you're my rock. He, he's my stability. God is. That, that word rock, you know, there's, even in the New Testament and the Old Testament, there's different kind of words for rock. You know, we kind of use the word rock and we talk about a rock that we can put in our hand. And then there's the rock that, that is so gigantic, so large. It's like the one at Stone Mountain or somewhere like that. It's, it's incredible. And we say, well, there's a rock. And so what David's using here is terminology that would be that great big giant thing that's, that's deep under the ground, it's immovable. You know, that's planted and secure and strong and dependable. And so David says, in, in, in my instability, you're my stability. Uh, in my, my confusion, God, you're my, my clarity. And so he was thinking about that maybe he was singing that maybe he was shouting that somewhere though the Hebrew people sang this Psalms 18 and somebody was singing about the rock that God is to them we've got our songs in our hymnal about the rock too right on Christ the solid rock I stand all other ground is sinking sand and so we stand on that rock, that stability of Jesus Christ, on His truth, on His Word. There's absolute security, stability for our lives. That We need that, don't we, today, some stability. <laughs> I mean, where else are we going to find stability today? Our world's changing. In seconds, it changes. But God is the same. Always, yesterday, today, and forever. He goes on, not only says, hey, he, he's my stability, but if you look a little further, he's my security. Now, listen to the things David says, you're my rock and my fortress. Wow, that's a neat thing. And he goes on in verse 2 and says, my stronghold. All those are descriptive terms of the security that God gives a fortress and a stronghold. David understood in those days what it was to have a place to go in, to be able to close the doors. And, and to be able to be behind a fortified wall where you could rest and find that. You know, how often do you, do you need a place where you can go in and just not be threatened? Not feel under the spotlight. How many of you that, that are still working today, maybe when you go to your job you feel like the pressure's on? I mean, the moment you open your car door in the parking lot and you start in that, or you turn your computer on and you log into your work account, all of a sudden you feel like, boy, pressure's on. The pressure's on. Where can we go? We need a place to go and hide, right? I remember as a kid, you know, we had all kinds of hiding places around my house when we were kids so that we could get away. And, and just feel no pressure. I, I want to tell you, that's a great thing. And God provides that for us. He provides a place in Himself where we can run and hide and we can find a stronghold where no enemy can assail that stronghold and we're safe in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says that the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous run to it. 
That's the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our, our security. David understood that. That's why we praise him, isn't it? Right here this morning in this place, we, we can feel secure. Jesus is here. And we can sense that. Well, not only this to build in security, but he says he's my salvation. He uses the word deliverer, horn of my salvation. The word deliverer means rescue. Have you ever felt like you've needed a lifeline? Have you ever felt like you needed some help? Uh, some of you guys gave me a hard time several years ago. We were on a mission trip in southern Alabama. And uh, we were in a little town called Atmore, Alabama. And we were doing some work in Atmore. And so we decided we were going to take a day off and go to the beach. We were that close, so we'd go to the beach and, and have some fun time on the beach. And so we were there swimming. And so I got this really great idea. I thought there was a sandbar way out there. And I thought, you know, I'll walk out that sandbar. So I walked out the sandbar. Not, not too much of a problem. Swam a little bit and got to it and collecting some some hermit crabs. I thought, I'll, t- I'll put some of those in my hand. I'll take them home with me, you know. and <laughs> See how that goes on the way back? I didn't realize there's a big riptide coming down the, between that sandbar and the bank. And I got into that, and, and here I went. I was heading out. <laughs> and and I, I was real, I mean, you know, at, at, I swam, and the harder I swam, you know, the more difficult, the more stressful it felt. And so I knew that I was in trouble. And so there were lifeguards all along the beach. And so I began to kind of wave and kind of call out to them. And, and sure enough, one of them saw me and they got these little floaty things. And they floated out there and helped me get into the, to the beach. And I was really thankful. Really thankful. Uh, and uh, they said, well, by the way, don't worry about it. You're the third one we pulled out today. <laughs> so I felt, even felt better about that. Thank you for the good news. Uh, so, but we, we need sometimes in our life, we need someone to rescue us. Uh, sometimes life can just overwhelm us. Sometimes it's pain and loss and grief that, that begins to overwhelm us. Sometimes it's just the busy things that we have to do, raising families and raising kids and doing all the things that we do and going to jobs and all those things. And it just, sometimes it can overwhelm us. We need to just stop. Just stop for a minute and worship God. Because in that worship, we'll find salvation. We'll find rescue. He talks about the horn of my salvation. In the Bible, horn's always a sign of power. If you look in Revelation, you'll see the kingdoms of the different horns. And, and it represents power. Jesus Christ is the power of our salvation. And the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. So you have a powerful advocate. His name is Jesus Christ. And He's there for us. And He's powerful. He is our, our salvation. And then finally, David goes on. He says, Lord, You're my strength. You're my strength. He, he uses the word strength. And that word strength, again, is, is a lot like rock. It's the word for mountain. And, and it's a mountain in, in the sense that it rises high and it goes deep. And it's a mountain in the sense that it's immovable, it's stable, it's stationary. We don't have to hunt for where it is. We don't have to hunt for where God is because He's there. And He's always there. He's there when we rise up. He's there when we go to bed. And he, He's immovable. Uh, always 
always dependable. And so David worshipped God with adoration. All those things he had experienced from God, and he shares those back with God in a sense of appreciation. And then in verse 3, he says, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. David says, I know where my source of deliverance comes from. It's from God. So we worship him in adoration. And then finally, if you look at verses 4 through 6, worship is engaged in authenticity. We've got to be real about this thing. God wants us to be genuine. It's not about how loud we can shout or how well we can sing, although that's pretty great. But it's what prompts that singing and what moves us to that shout and that amen and that praise the Lord and that hallelujah. Is it because of our gratitude for God? You see, I think real worship happens when it happens spontaneous. In other words, it just happens. You say, well, why do we come to church on Sunday morning? You know, well, we come to church and hope for that spontaneous worship. Because let me tell you, we, you can come to church and not worship. I mean, you can come be here and be present in a worship service and not worship God. It's only until God begins to move us and He begins to reveal Himself. And, 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 and listen, we have to want that, don't we? More than anything else, we ought to come Sunday morning and say, God, I want, I, want, I want to hear from you. I want to experience you. I, I, want, to, I want you to reveal yourself to me. I, I want to have a, a unique time with you this morning. And, and sometimes that just spontaneously happens. Listen to what David, it, verse 4, the pangs of death surround me. And the flood of ungodliness made me afraid. David, listen, he's down, isn't he? I, I, I mean, the pangs, I, you know, that's an old word. I looked that thing up. And, and that word pang means like the pain or affliction. David was, he was in pain over his circumstances. And, and so he, he lets the Lord know about that. The sorrow of Sheol surrounded me. The snare of death confronted me. David said, look, Lord, I'm dying here. I, I am, I, I'm dying. And David began to worship him. And all of a sudden, in spontaneity, spontaneously, David, in his despair, looked up to God, and he began to worship him. And all of a sudden, God answered and God spoke, and God encouraged, and God lifted him up out of those things. But it was in a spontaneous way. If you look at the prefaces of 18, you'll see some things. Uh, it says, David spoke to the Lord the words of this song on the day that the Lord delivered him from the hands of his enemies and from the hand of Saul. You know, we worship in expectation of God's response of God's amazing grace, right? I mean, I'm here this morning because I want the grace of God to touch my life. And so David certainly did as well, and so it became spontaneous. You know, you see it in all kinds of places in the Bible. God's people, 
I mean, they're at a place and all of a sudden the God, the Holy Spirit shows up and they begin to worship. I was thinking about Mary, not Mary the mother of Jesus, but Mary who anointed Jesus' feet. I mean, she came in that day. She just wanted to do something for him. And she, she took that oil and that flask and she cracked that thing open and she poured it on his hand and she rubbed it and anointed his feet and, and worship broke out. Right? Can't be contained when we're seeking God. Another thing about worship, not only is spontaneity or spontaneous, but it has to be surrendered. We have to be surrendered to God. We have to be surrendered to God. Verse 6 says, In my distress I called upon the Lord. <laughs> David said, you know what he was saying? He said, when I did all I could do, I called on the Lord. When I tried everything that I could do, I called on the Lord. That's surrender, isn't it? Sometimes God has to bring us to that point before we are willing to be surrendered to Him. Where we're willing to say, Lord, whatever it takes... Whatever you want to do, whatever you have to do, I, I want you to do that. That's I mean, it has to be complete when we come to God. How many of us are willing to ask God that way? You know, sometimes we joke around about patience, don't we? We say, well, don't ask for patience if you don't want patience. And we know how we get patience right through tribulation. So sometimes we don't want to ask God for patience because we know that it's learned through tribulation. And sometimes we don't want to surrender to God because we know that we don't want to give up some of the things that we must in order for God to manifest Himself the way He wants to. And the way we really would enjoy Him to. So it takes surrender. So when you're coming to worship, surrender. Surrender to Him. Maybe next Sunday morning when you come into the church and the sanctuary and you're ready to worship, maybe, maybe we could sing the invitation song first. I surrender all. All to Thee, Lord, I surrender. I surrender all. And maybe start with that prayer and thought. Surrender. Well, worship's in your DNA. You can't help it. you got to do it, right? So why don't we do it in a way that pleases God? Bow with me if you would and let's pray. Father in heaven, I'm so thankful today. You've given us a way to express our love, our devotion, and experience you in a unique way in this thing called worship. Father, help us to understand it better. Help us to get better at it, Lord, so we can truly bless you. I know, Lord, for your children that it's inescapable. We can't help it. We have to. But Lord, help us to enjoy it. Father, I pray that you'll take these verses and encourage our hearts with them in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I'm going to invite you to stand this morning together, if you would. We stand together. You may want to continue in that worship this morning. It may be in a way of decision or choice for Jesus Christ. You know, in the 
verses, we saw the importance of obedience. That, that obedience may just come in the form of asking God, Lord, I want, to be, I want to be closer to you. I want to be more enthralled in worship, more open to you in the times that I worship you. Whether it's in your quiet place or whether it's here together as a church family, I just want to worship you more. That may be a decision. Now, that, I think that's the kind of prayer God would love to answer, by the way, is that you and I would want to worship Him. Uh, maybe other decisions. Look, you may be all in verse 2 <laughs> where you need a deliverer, you need a foundation, where you need some security, some safety. God has all that. All that and, and much, much more. What He's waiting for you is for you to receive it. Might be that surrender thing that we struggle with. We all do. Is giving everything to Him. Everything. But yet that's exactly what God wants is, is everything. We're going to sing a few verses or a verse at least of our invitation this morning. It may be that you want to come and make a commitment to God. Rededicate your life to the Lord. Call on Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. You can do that. I'll be up front. I love more than anything else to pray with you and to encourage you. But as we uh, sing these verses, I just want to challenge you to come this morning.